Let's yeah. do Yeah, yeah, well, I was let's do this. Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn on your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. And at the time of recording, Kristen is seven days away from Def Leppard and Journey in concert. I am uh, an indeterminate amount of days away from same concert. However, this is Rock Out Loud. Welcome everyone to Rock Out Loud. I'm Steve Glosson. This is the Rockinest podcast on the internet, and I am the host who is... Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm the Kurt Loader of rocking podcasts, because I just kind of sit here and deadpan everything and don't really, I don't really fit in with the rest of the VJs, not that Kurt Loader was ever a VJ. Anyhow, I ramble. My point is this, welcome, glad to have you with us. I did say I'm Steve Glosson, but that's not what's important. What is important is we have with us the rockinest chick in the land, she's up on the, uh, East Coast, she's got her uh, sights set on Fallout Boy performing in Washington uh, for the Stanley Cup Finals. It's Kristen in Jersey. What's up, Kristen? Hello, everybody. I mean, we all know Fallout Boy is from Chicago. This is, it's just, it feels wrong. But, okay, you cited me one time Imagine Dragons played when they were in Las Vegas. Yeah. It is, are there any other examples? Um, I don't know. So they got some other person that I don't even remember because it wasn't the killers. So hmm. what I'm saying, <laughs> what I'm saying though is, is like traditionally in in years past, years gone by, are the, a have there been performances, and b were those people from that location? Um, I feel like there have been, but I think Vegas just completely upped the ante because that's, that's what they do. I mean, it's basically medieval times before a uh, Vegas Golden Knights game. So mm. I think Washington was like, we got to keep up. But no one's actually from Washington, D.C. I mean, I'm sure bands are. I know Dave Grohl is. Mm-hmm. There you go. Get the freaking Foo Fighters to yeah. play. Get the Foo Fighters and tell them to bring Kiss Guy with them. They've got another confession to make. Aren't you so happy I showed you that? That Kiss was Guy great. Video? They've got another confession. By the way, I don't want to roll over. They've got another confession to make. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe they can't. Maybe they can't get the best of them up there, Kristen. Maybe I don't know. And uh, of course, were you born to resist? I don't know. Well, you know, Dave Grohl was it last year or two years ago when he broke his leg? He had to learn to walk again. Did he really have to learn how to walk again? It was that bad? No, that's the song. Learning to walk again. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Well, I killed that I'm bit. That, I'm not that big of a Foo Fighters fan. I'm so sorry that I just no, ruined your thunder. That's okay. I killed the bit, and I take full responsibility for taking it way too far. I mean, he is on the Iron... He did have to sit on the Iron Throne for all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. I know you're such a big Game of Thrones fan, so I just wanted to put that out there. Um, You know what? I don't know. Are, are they through with that show? No, one more season. One more season. I think I'm like a season behind, maybe. Wait, you started watching it? 
Chris and I, yeah, I got caught up, and we talked about this, I thought. Did, oh, we did, yep, because we hated that one guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought you were like, it sticks in my mind that you're still in the, I can't get past, like, the sixth episode because there's too many characters. Well, no, I listen, For I, I still don't know that I know everyone's name. Okay. You know, outside of, like, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. You know um, nothing, Jon Snow. Yeah, but, um... But the last the last thing I saw was that episode where Jon Snow ended up under a pile of bodies, and he oh, clawed his the way out. Oh, the Battle of the Bastards! Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was that that's what that was the, called? That's the name of the episode. Yeah, was that the season finale? No, that was episode nine, and episode ten's even better. Hmm. You need to watch it. I don't think I remember. I, Steve, I would do a watch along with you to get your reaction to that episode. I feel like I should remember that. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of something from the, the episode that wouldn't like give it away and spoil it. Which one? Which know. one had the flashback with Ned Stark? Oh, that was episode ten. Okay, that was the finale. Okay, I did see that. So you didn't think the the um the Sept of Baylor was like, oh my god, what? And I don't... Cersei, Cersei doing her thing. I sincerely don't. Did she take Cersei got on the throne? Yeah. Yeah. But what she did before that. Oh, where she blew up the whole place? Yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler she, alert, she blew she, up she the whole place. The shame. Then she got the shame lady. Mm-hmm. This is your god now. Shame. Shame. <laughs> like, people can hate Cersei, but let's be real. Doesn't everybody want to be Cersei with, like, oh, like, because when she gets people back, oh, she gets them back. Yeah, but you know what? The whole... Cersei... The whole walk of shame really made her suddenly this very sympathetic character. I mean, that's the point mm-hmm. of it. I don't think it made her sympathetic. Mm. But I also don't have venomous hatred for Cersei. I do in the books, but she hasn't done what she did in the, uh, has done in the books on the show. But, I mean, I'm Team Jamie all the way. Yeah. I've been Team Jamie since the first episode where he pushes Bran out the window. So. Oh, wow. Hey, you don't like the little kids, huh? I'm just saying, that's a character. Like, <laughs> literally, a kid is in a window, and you'd go, the things I do for love, and push him out the window, mm. that is a character I want to know more about. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know more about Ned Stark. Ned Stark's boring. Sorry, guys. Mm. Now you're killing kind of hurting me. I'm sorry, he is. I don't, I honestly, I like the villains in Game of Thrones. Hmm. They're just more interesting. and Or at least, like, the shady characters. Mm-hmm. Like, when we went to go see the live Game of Thrones concert experience, which mm-hmm. is epic, um, when they do the Reigns of Castamere, I literally got goosebumps, and I turned to Andrew, and I went, this is my house! She's like, don't say that! <laughs> well, uh, isn't everyone in Game of Thrones pretty shady? Um, I mean, kind of. I mean, I've... I've- Jon Snow is not really shady. I was going to say, I feel like Jon Snow is kind of above the fray as far as character flaws go and everything. Brienne's not really shady. That's true. Like, there are, I do love but, Brienne. But Brienne is a little broken. She is. Mm-hmm. And she loves Jamie, and he doesn't love her back. Right. Or it's, does he? Dun, dun, dun. It's not like Bobby Boucher and Vicky Valancourt. Oh, my God. That was on when I was in Vegas. Oh, and I nice. I did watch a little bit of it. <laughs> 62. Um, <laughs> and uh, who else? You know, 
I would say Daenerys, Daenerys Targaryen, the mother of dragons, uh-huh. is she's intense. She is. You know, and and she's had quite the journey. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know. She doesn't have a lot of shades of gray to me. She just seems she is very much. She gets her mind on something, and that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, she's another one. Like, she's not one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's like Arya. Like, it's like, okay, all you want to do is, like, this one thing. Right. Like, okay, I I got it. Like, at least this last season, which you haven't watched yet, so I won't spoil you, at least Daenerys got a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not more fun. interested in Arya's journey than I am Bran's. Like, Bran has really oh. kind of caused, I mean, that just kind of caused me to be like, all right, let's move on. Oh, yeah, and wait till you watch the last season. Like, it's awful. Hmm. I mean, I, the the, star, the only Stark child that I'm honestly invested in is Sansa. Mm-hmm. Unpopular opinion, but I've loved Sansa since book one. And just to see where she's where she's come, it just, just makes me so proud. I appreciate the fact that she's gone from this dreamy-eyed, you know just wanting a prince to marry kind of person to I'll leave you here with the dogs. Oh my God. <laughs> and then like goes to leave and is like, no, you know what? I'm not going to leave. I'm going to watch this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, girl. Yes. Right. Oh. So welcome to game of Thrones cast. I was going to say, by the way, guys, we, this is rock out loud. Hi. Throne, Thrones out loud with Steve and Kristen. <laughs> Steve, who can barely remember anyone's name. What is uh Peter? Dink- what is Peter Dinklage's character's name? Uh, Tyrion. Tyrion. I knew it started with a T, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to venture into it too much. Tyrion Lannister, or is it? Oh, I didn't realize there was a mystery there. Uh, well, I mean, book readers think there is. Hmm. Well, I dig him. Peter Dinklage, or, or the character? Both. Or both. Both. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Peter Dinklage, I thought was great in. Um, Elf? Infinity War. Oh. Oh, yeah, because there's the irony because yeah. he's a giant. I thought that was kind of neat, but also I just like that character. I like that he was kind of broken and hurt and Thor had to encourage him to still do what he could always do. Spoiler alert, Infinity War. I've seen all the spoilers about Infinity War, so. Have you seen the Infinity War? No. Chris, and so good. <laughs> it's so My good. My friend Andrew went to see it snuck in a bowl of chipotle ate chipotle while watching it was like oh my god it's so good (laughs) make the time (sighs) have you ever seen you probably haven't because you're not a fan of either of these teams but have you seen the video of the dallas cowboys fan reacting to the eagles winning the super bowl (laughs) no (laughs) okay well it's hilarious so at one point he's like why can't the cowboys do something like this why can't we run some creativity in the Super Bowl? That's how I feel about DC, like mm-hmm. comics. Like where I'm like, oh my God, like I just want you to do so well. Like <laughs> I hate how people hate you. Like it's just so depressing. And I'm like, I'm really excited for Aquaman, guys. And people are like, oh my God, Kristen, who cares? And I'm like, eh, but Justice League was really good. Justice League was really good. I enjoyed it. I watched it on the plane from England twice. I got news for you. If they give me Henry Cavill as that Superman, I'll watch seven or eight Superman movies with Henry Cavill. Just give me Henry Cavill 
on my TV screen or movie screen. That's all I want. Kristen's like, just give me Henry Cavill, period. Just give me Henry Cavill, guys. Yeah, and his dog, Cal. I mean, his freaking dog is named Cal. I can't. And it's so cute. Hmm. Well, you know a lot. You know a lot about Henry Cavill. Um, Steve, I've loved Henry Cavill since I first saw him in The Count of Monte Cristo in French class in seventh grade. I haven't seen I that movie in years. Man. What year was that? What year were you in seventh grade? Um, how old were you in seventh grade? Like thirteen, like two thousand three. Okay. Maybe that I don't movie, know. Close that to movie that. came out in the nineties, didn't it? Yeah, but we watched it in French class. Right. Well, so I saw him on my screen mm-hmm. and went, <gasps> and then I saw him in the tutors and went, <gasps> and then I saw him in Tristan and his old and I went, ha! <laughs> oh. I uh. I watched The Count of Monte Cristo at the Dollar Theater when I was in college. The Dollar Theater? Yeah. That's fancy. So the second-run theater. That's how old I am. I mean, Steve, the other day... Okay, aside. So, speaking of being old... Hey, so far, this whole show has been an aside. Who cares? So, it's our show. We do what we want. That's right. Um, So, I went to emo night the other night. I'm sorry. Yeah. I need more information about Emo Night. (laughs) So they play all my favorite music. It's great. Um, But we met up with a girl there, and she was in line, and she's like, yeah, like, I'm not here with anybody. And me and Andrew are like, oh, my God, like, you can come sit with us if you want. So we, like, got a couch, and we sat on the couch, had a good time. But she's at one point, she goes, yeah, I don't know, like, have you guys been to an Emo Night? And I'm like, no, it's my first night. It's my first time. And she goes, yeah, like, I don't know if they're going to play, like, my generation of emo or like your generation of emo and i was like wow i'm sorry what did you just say my my generation and she's like yeah like you know who are some bands you guys really like and i was like uh well my chemical romance taking back sunday the used under a census fail and she's like yeah like i'm i'm into some of that but not a lot she's like i really like like neck deep and i don't even know what the other bands were and i was like I was like, I swear to God, if they play those bands here tonight and I don't get to hear Taking Back Sunday and My Chemical Romance, I'm never coming back here again. I swear to God. I swear to God. But I'm happy to announce that they played all the music that I love and it was epic and I lost my voice and the dudes behind us thought it was hilarious that me and Andrea were going so hard over the old school songs. So yeah, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Anyone that wants to go to emo night, have at it. It's a great time. I I think I'll stay away. And total sausage fest, all guys. That's weird. All guys. All guys dressed in black. Not really. It's all hipster dudes now. Like emo mm. ex emos became hipsters. So okay. it's a lot of flannel and like mustaches and hmm. like Hitler youth haircuts. Weird. Yeah, I know. Um we got some emails. Woo! That's the that's Steve the King of the Segway, everybody. Party. Um Jamie has emailed us again. I, apparently I went at him a little hard last time. You did! I don't remember exactly what happened. Uh he says, I would like to clear something up. After my last email, I mentioned the Fratellis and Grunge was mentioned. Um, I would like to let you know that I'm just gonna read this as it's written. I would like to let you know that I the grunge as much as anyone he left out a word there, and and that word could either be like <laughs> or dislike. <laughs> and if it's like, know. if it's like the grunts, then you need to add another phrase uh, 
as to if I I like the grunge as much as anyone except, except you guys the, except the two hosts right on this except show. the two hosts anyway it goes another update I wasn't allowed tickets to Def Leppard oh come on Jamie what's wrong with your parents I mean he is young yeah. Still, that's no excuse. I was going to concerts when I was 15. But I'm just saying he is young. Right. And he says, I can... Also, I'm pretty sure Def Leppard's not playing in Orkney, so it would definitely be a bit of a haul. That's true. But he had, like, someone he could stay with. Ah. Like a brother or some such. Oh, yes. I remember this now. Mm -hmm. Yes. He says, and I cannot wait for the new Struts album, and I really hope they come to Scotland, as I haven't been for ages. As they haven't been for ages. Anyway, that's all. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Jamie. Cheers, Jamie. I hope... Honestly, the Struts, they don't they don't um, play the UK because they don't sell in the UK. Like, they have two shows on sale for London and Manchester, and they are still pushing for people to get tickets for that. That's crazy. And some people can say it's their own fault because they have toured so much in America and really haven't gone back to the UK. Um, but that's why they are here quite a lot. Whatever. I think UK needs to get on the Struts train. That's the thing, though. The UK does not... Like, Luke says it in their shows. He's like, you know, in our home country, we aren't accepted. We aren't played on the radio. Da -da -da -da. Like, we don't get good reviews. And then we came to America, and all of a sudden, like, you guys have completely embraced our band, our music, and, and we're having the time of our lives being able to play this music for you. So, so Jamie, I mean, if you want to come to, like, America, you could see the struts a ton. If you go to a show in Jersey, I'll probably be there. I'm not offering to babysit. Not that uh, I was going. I was just waiting for you to let it sink in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will absolutely say, "Hey, what's up?" and hang out a little bit. Um. All right. <laughs> the king of the segue, uh -huh. Steve, is on tonight. Well, we've got three emails. I'm very tired. Um, and I'm I don't want to hear it, Steve. I got to get to Bruce. But we got to get through these emails. And they're not long. They're great. Shane in Grand Rapids, he's become a, um, a co-producer along with Jimmy and George on the Big Honkin' Show, uh, has sent a link to MLive.com and an interview they did with Greta Van Fleet. Hmm. And um, just a couple of points of note um you've been compared to led zeppelin you did covers of zeppelin when you first started out what about now uh jake says i think that time that chapter has passed that's all that was said there um what about your upcoming first album absolutely all new music all original full-length album it's more songs on one album than we've released on the double ep together uh added lead singer josh kriska we recorded it in December, January, February. That was the downtime to do that after the holidays. He says, fans won't have to wait long for it to come out. We're reshaping it and then get into mastering and hopefully release it soon. It's looking like late summer. Okay. So this is going to be interesting. Greta Van Fleet has one more concert at the Fillmore on Friday, May 25th. So this is just uh, a couple of weeks back uh, before headed overseas to Germany and the UK and the Netherlands and France before returning to the U.S. Can I just say, I think one. I think Greta Van Fleet is going to be disserviced by having so much downtime between their EP 
mm-hmm. and their actual record. You think and I'll so? I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why. Because literally everyone is like, oh, so, you know, you guys did all the Zeppelin stuff and you sound like Zeppelin and Zeppelin and Zeppelin and Zeppelin. And people are almost like bitter. Like they come off as very like, well, this is a problem that you've done this. And, oh, well, well, we won't, you know, pass judgment on Greta Van Fleet until they release, you know, an actual original record. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And I feel like there's all this hype. And I feel like they're going to be set set up for that, like, huh, okay. It's here. Hmm. I don't know. It's just a vibe I get. Uh, Well, and I think, and I think that's a legit thought process but i also think that there's the flip side of that is um you know the dude's voice is still his voice you know just the, i don't know that there's going to be a shift in style you know I, it's i think it's going to come down to content of song rather than than a style and a feel obviously they've got that bluesy feel to them and i can't see them shifting too far away from that you know um I th- I feel like they'd have to really have some like this is who we really are, you know, and start yodeling or something for it to be not really well accepted. I don't know. No. <laughs> we'll see. We we shall see. We are on opposite ends of uh of the um, hunch mm-hmm. line on that. We should, uh, we should do a listen through. 100%, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, another band that we've kind of followed mm-hmm. from very, very early on. What we should do is, like we did with the Def Leppard album, though, is we should not listen to it at any, any okay. until we sit down and do a listen through so that we can actually give our real, raw reactions. Okay. I, I will shake your hand on it right now. Do you see my hand extended? I sure do. Great. Shaking it. All right. Up and down we go. There we go. <laughs> and release. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and finally, Tim up in uh, Lewiston, Maine says, Hey, Stephen, Kristen, I'm a new listener, and I want to say I've really been enjoying the show. Thank uh, you. He learned about Rock Out Loud when he was mentioned, when it was mentioned by Jimmy Mac on Rebel Force Radio. See, Kristen? He's probably like, there's this girl on there that hates Led Zeppelin so much. No, he was just talking. He was, mentioning, he was mentioning that he and I do Rock Out Led together, and, and it's part of Rock Out Loud. And so, and that sent Tim our way. Said, I checked out your great songs, not bands, last songs, and Van Halen, the David Lee Roth episodes so far. Great stuff, guys. And, uh-huh. um, and then he informs me that I still don't have all, everything up in the feed yet, so... Where I thought I was back up and running perfectly with the Gulliverse, apparently there's still a few dead spots. So I'll get those uploaded, Tim, and make sure that you are able to listen to everything you want to listen to. As far as it pertains to the Rock Out Loud feed. Yeah, but thanks for the the Yeah, uh, thanks for reaching out. Words. Tim, welcome, and we're glad yes. to have you. Yeah, throw up the horns. And, and Tim, I also want to say this. Thank you for a very succinct, short email that you did not suggest three different bands we should be listening to, and that you um, and, and that you did not uh, dog on us for 
Too much Bruce, too much Def Leppard. Do we get do we get harped on for that? No, but I feel like I've heard people say something. Oh. I feel like it's been a criticism. Oh no, who was it that was like, oh, of course they're going to go? It was the Hall of Fame. Whoever emailed about the Hall of Fame oh, and being wrong. Yeah. yeah, Randy Chang. I'm looking at you. It's the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's our Hall of it's Fame. It's the Rock Out Loud Hall of Fame. Like, if we were to poll the, the audience and go, okay, guys, so we're going to do this whole bit where it's the Rock Out Loud Hall of Fame. Five artists. Who do you think the top five are? I'm pretty sure that they would have nailed Springsteen, Leopard, Bon Jovi. Like, come on. You're right. I, I Yeah, listen. We said it's on the nose, but that's how we like it. And I also think we have some really good content and unique content about all of those bands. <laughs> Agreed. And I think, well, I think. Like, like, here's the same five songs. But I also think that we get diverse enough in, like, on when we're doing, like, topics and stuff that. Our choices are diverse enough that there is a lot of diversity, and you're so passionate about the stuff that you love that it really comes across and is infectious. Aw, so, thank you. Yeah, and I'm just like, this really jams. <laughs> you're the hit machine. I was telling my, uh, I was telling my one friend who just started listening. I was like, um, yeah. So like, here's like the the great dichotomy with our show is that Steve is like, let me talk about how great Sweet Child of Mine is. <laughs> And then I'm like, no, dude, let's talk about, like, you know, My Michelle and Rocket Queen, which I mean, Guns N' Roses fans, like, those are huge songs. But whatever. Like, let me tell you about this B-side that was recorded in Amsterdam on this date. Like, you know, it's that's that's what makes us great. Right. Well, I think, yeah. And, and two, it's just fun. And it jams. Good time. So, um, but we'll also, you know what we'll also do on this show, ladies and gentlemen, is we will... We'll get real when it comes to music, and when we're listening <laughs> to music, cried. yes, that's this is legitimately uh, the only podcast that I've had to stop talking and let you vamp while I compose myself. It's the power of music, man. Yeah, yeah. And just think, someone made you do that that you were not even a huge fan of before we started this show. Exactly. If you want to talk about a hit machine? That's all I knew. Yeah. You know. Not now. Not now. Not now. Mm-mm. Not now. Now I'm a, I don't know what you call a, a an acolyte of Bruce Springsteen, but I feel like I'm almost there. I agree. So. <laughs> I'm very proud. <clears throat> so at the time of recording, June 4th, 2018, uh, we are marking the 50th anniversary. Well, 40th. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say 50th? It's not Led Zeppelin. I know you want it okay. to be, but it's not. Well, it's the 50th anniversary this year of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why everyone listens to podcasts for fake puke noises. <laughs> I mean, it's your fault. You brought up Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the 40th anniversary. I can't do math. Um, <laughs> Of uh, Darkness, the, the album, Bruce Springsteen's album, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Woo! And so we thought we'd do a fun listen-through of of said album. Before we get into it, though, Kristen, what would you like to, what would you like to present to us initially about this album in particular? Oh, my God. What wouldn't I like to present? Uh, so from a um, completely personal standpoint, 
out of the studio records, this is my favorite Springsteen record. Mm -hmm. I think it is so emotional and so raw and so honest and so like heavy like this is probably bruce's like heaviest record like you could have band like metal bands cover some of these songs and it, it would be like whoa this this makes sense um and it's angry it's vulnerable like this record just i said it on facebook the other day this record just hits me in a way that not many records do mm-hmm. even my favorite records don't hit me the way that this record hits me wow um, and then, you know, coming from, we've taught, we touched about on it on our podcast before, like Bruce born to run comes out, huge success time, Newsweek tours everywhere. And then Bruce gets in this entire legal battle with his manager and it takes three years to record and release darkness on the edge of town. Like where where is this guy he had this huge hit is it a one and done what's happening where is he where did he go and all of that emotion and all of that venom and insecurity and hope and drive and passion all went into darkness on the edge of town Mm -hmm. and what's interesting about this album is as a follow-up to born to run it kind of suffered commercially you know, the way that a lot of follow-up albums to other hit albums sometimes suffer. Oh, um, yeah. You know, this is not, this doesn't have quite the commercial success that Born to Run had. In fact, there was only one song, I think, that broke the top 40. Yeah, I think there's only three singles on the record. Yes. Uh, according to my research, it was Prove It All Night, Badlands, and The Promised Land. Yep. Um, And Prove It All Night made it into... Uh, the top 40 at number 33. And, Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Badlands peaked at 42. Was that on pop radio or just rock? Uh, it was... Say? Sometimes it'll say. The top 40 in the U.S. is all I've got here. Okay. So so it was just top 40, top mm-hmm. 40. Because sometimes it'll be like top 40 rock. Right, right. Um, But, you know, fans of Bruce, of course, loved it. Oh, yeah. And critics loved it. Critics loved it. Mm-hmm. And so, and and I love it. It's a great it's just, album. It's so good. It's literally like, I think the record's like 43 minutes. It's 43 minutes of pure perfection. Like, it's not like a, um, it's not like a Born to Run where you have these grand epics of you know back streets and of jungle land like you don't have that like this record it's 10 songs i think the longest song on the record is racing in the street which i mean as it should be it's perfection but it's like then you have a song like factory that's like two minutes and 50 seconds mm-hmm. and oh, this. <laughs> but now you also this also was kind of the same thing he did on born to run where the beginning um songs on each side uh, were like, hey, let's do this. Let's let's rise up. Let's get out of the situation we're in. And the ending songs were kind of like, um, you know, oh, this sucks. Yeah, like the la- the first two songs on each side. So side A, it's what? Prove it on? No, it's Badlands. It's Badlands. And then side A or side B, track one is Promised Land. Right. 
And then to end side one, it's racing in the street, mm-hmm. which I swear that song just makes me like sob. I can't. And then the record ends with darkness on the edge of town, which darkness isn't as somber as racing. Right. Because darkness ends with tonight. I'll be on that hill with everything I've got. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, and he's I, just screaming. How about how about I just got chills thinking about it? Uh, right? Yeah. It's so good. I'll be there on time and I'll pay the cost for wanting things that can only be found in the darkness on the edge of town. I mean, guys, I'm going to go over lyrics like crazy tonight. Just like, hi, Kristen Stereotype. If you're playing the drinking <laughs> game, get your stuff out. I'm just saying. Put it on and grab a shot. Oh. Um. But this is some good stuff, and uh, we should we should probably get into it. Yes. So um, this is the aforementioned track one, and um, it is a well, it's Badlands, Darkness of the Age of Time. Push until it's understood, and these badlands start treating us good. This is an opening track, you know, Chris. And we've done the the whole first tracks on albums before, and and we talk about just dropping the needle for the first time on an album, and and this really, you know, this sounds like um like it's a continuation almost of of the sound you had on Born to Run. Yep, and it's a, it's a nice transition in. Mm-hmm. And now. <laughs> That uh, it's it's all I, I don't and when I say it's all downhill from here, I don't mean in quality of song, but like as far as like and sincerely to me, in in terms of, of you use the term somber in terms of how somber things get. Mm-hmm. Like this record, like people always reference Nebraska as like Bruce's record. That's like this is the real record. Like this is about like what's really going on. It's like and darkness is right up there. Like I don't care what anyone says. Like. This record, like I said, it, it hits me in a way that other records have not. And, like, with lyrics like, you know, it ain't no sin to be glad you're alive. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Hopeful. Uplifting. Poor men want to be rich. Rich men want to be king. And the king ain't satisfied till he rules everything. <laughs> like, ah, oh, Bruce! It's crazy! Also, another thing with this record is that, like, a lot of times Bruce would... He had these huge notebooks, and they were basically, they weren't even songs necessarily, but they were ideas. So, like, things would be written, like, the line, you know, it ain't no sin to be glad you're alive, would mm-hmm. be written down in a book. 
And he would go through and he'd be like, okay, I kind of like that. Let's try and do something with that. Okay, kind of like this line here. Let's try and do something with that. Like, very, very strange how, like, because Born of Rome was all about perfection. And I feel like Darkness was about imperfection. I think that's astute. I think that's a good, I, I think that's a really good way to put it. A lot, a lot of stuff in his earlier, the, these earlier albums, and, and I'm, I'm thinking pre-River, um, River and, and, and prior, there's so much that is his personal life almost growing up, I should say, mm-hmm. you know, moving into an adulthood because this song is, when you read his biography and you realize just how trapped he felt, and and how beat down by where he lived, and and what his life had been that he felt, um, then you end up kind of seeing okay, well this is what he's writing from, you know this is this is the place where all this has come from, and so and that's why you know the boss taps into blue collar America and you know the everyday man and and, and that sort of thing, the everyday person I should say, and. And and here, it's that same. It's it's the idea, and really, it's the end of the course that really sticks with me. Where you know that I said coming out of the song, keep pushing until it's understood, and these badlands start treating us good. That is what everyone strives to do. It's like, well, I got to go to work. I got to do this. You know, sooner or later, it'll pay off. You know, it's that constant hope that sooner or later it'll pay off. No matter how bad it seems, no matter how hard things are, no matter how rough it is. Just got to keep pushing. Got to keep on pushing. Yep. And, and eventually <coughs> it will pay off. Right. But now, you know, as we said, don't don't get too settled into that little hope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it comes up in patches. But, yeah, uh... sure. Sure it does. Sure it does. But this is, and, and angst is not the right word. But I know, it is. You hate the word angst. I'm always like, it's angsty, and you're like, no, it's not. Christian. Well, it's it's just angst is 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 this is more of a. This is more of a of a resolve type thing. This song, you know, yes. and and it and it leads to angst, which leads to just a man a, a, a sullenness, you know, uh, of spirit almost. But we'll we'll get there as we go. <laughs> but, but we'll get we'll get deeper into it. Guys. But from a but from a technical standpoint, this is a great song. It's it you know it's E Street Band sound all the way. It is a great transition from, as you said, it's a great transition song off of Born to Run. And yep. and it's a, you know, I think it's a perfect first track. And a complete staple live. Like, mm-hmm. Badlands is up there with Born to Run in that if you go to a Bruce show in a, in a set where you have no idea what you're going to get, you can, guarantee, you can guarantee you're getting Born to Run. Mm-hmm. And you can probably guarantee you're getting Badlands. Right. And just the entire crowd, like, pumping their fists in the air. And during, like, the drum breakdown when everyone's like, oh, like, you were there, Steve. You know, there's <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> you were there, Henry. You saw it. Um, I saw it. <laughs> I wish. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what I wish I had for all of my podcasts. I wish I had one of those really expensive machines where you can like bank sound clips on there. <laughs> and I wish in this moment I had Tommy Boy saying, "You were there. You saw." You were there. You saw it. <laughs> oh, but anyhow, um, I would have called your mother. 
Well, let's get into the next track. It's Adam Raised a Cane. I say let's get into the next track. I wish Steve would play the guitar on that song. <laughs> I wish there was just some guitar going on. You know, I feel right. like it's really missing it. <laughs> That's an, I mean, like, this is an in-your-face song. Yes. In, in a way that, you know, there's not much else to this point in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the old catalog that is, is this much kind of in-your-face and heavy as far as the sound goes. Yep. That's what I mean when I say, like, you could give this song to a metal band, mm-hmm. and they could, like, it would be a pretty easy transition. Yes, for you know, sure. You know, to, like, translate that to their sound. Yes. Um, one thing I want to say about this song, because I know you're, like, super invested in the relationship between Bruce and his dad. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> well, Bruce said, like, said specifically that this song was really, really emotionally autobiographical mm-hmm. about his and his dad's relationship. Um and one thing, like, I was reading different articles about different songs on this record or whatever, and Bruce said that, like, he thinks that his and his dad's relationship was probably more complicated, actually, than how he presented it in songs. Right. But the songs were his therapy to be able to speak to his dad when his dad and him didn't speak, really. hmm So, like... I think that also you get in this song with like the vocal and how in your face it is. Let me tell you something. (laughs) (laughs) And I've said this before and I don't, I I always repeat myself on this show, but listening to his autobiography, listening to his book and he kept coming back to his dad and like they would, there'd be these just awkward moments between them. Mm Mm-hmm like painfully awkward and it's like please just decide you love each other <laughs> you know? please for me 
And and I can't tell you how happy I was where he finally said, you know, yeah, we made peace with each other, you know, by the time it was all over. And I love the story mm-hmm. of um of uh, of you know him going he got draft he got his draft notice for the war. Oh, his, I have goosebumps. And his dad has always told him, you know, about his long hair, you know, I wish you'd have to go to the army, they'd cut that mess off, all this stuff. And um and so he gets his draft notice, and he goes and reports, but because of a motorcycle accident he had years earlier, um, he was deemed ineligible. Uh, so he didn't have to go to Vietnam. And so he comes back in, he says, my dad's just there at the kitchen table where he always sat smoking a cigarette, and um, and basically, you know, asked, well, what, are you going? And he's like, no, they, I failed, they won't take me. And he said, my dad just said, that's good. Oh, oh my literally all over my body. You know what I mean? Like, like here's this man who's been saying this all these years to his son, but he realizes just how bad the, the stuff was, and he didn't want to see his son go off and and die in in some pointless war. And um, and it's like to me that that was a moment of growth in those two that took years, years to kind of really come to a point of understanding with each other. But this was like one of the first moments and. He tells that story from stage, from the stage. Yep. And you can listen to it uh, on Live 7585 before yeah. the river. That's right. Oh. And, uh, and I'm telling you, and this, and, and this does, but you know, this, this whole idea, you know, because the whole idea of Cain was the one in Scripture. He's the first murderer in, 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 in the Bible. And he's Adam and Eve's son along with Abel, and he kills his brother you know, which is the first recorded death in the Bible, which, you know, according to believers of the Bible, would be like the first death in history at that point. Mm-hmm. And so what must Adam had thought that his son had done this thing, taken the life of his own brother? And and so this is obviously Bruce saying, well, I am absolutely nothing that my father wanted me to be. Yep. And, and I mean... Just look at the lyric, like, you're born into this life paying for the sins of somebody else's past. Daddy worked his whole life for nothing but the pain. Now he walks these empty rooms looking for some, something to blame. Mm-hmm. You inherit the sins and you inherit the flames. Adam Ray's okay. Um, <sighs> well, here, and, and, and this is the thing, too, that when you start getting into the music of Bruce Springsteen, you can't get away from the theme of being trapped where you live mm-hmm. yeah. and, and we can all relate to even and, if you've gotten out right and the complicated relationship between father and son mm-hmm. that regardless of how strained their relationship was and regardless of how things may not have been what either one of them wanted to be bruce you you get the you get this the son a son always wants his father's respect a son always wants his father's acknowledgement. And, and that is true across the board. doesn't matter how terrible a, a person your father has been. doesn't matter how estranged you are from the father. Everyone has some type of father figure in their life, and a son wants that. It's somehow inane, ingrained into our nature as human beings. Mm-hmm. And, and to know that this is how he's looking at his relationship with his dad, and there's, sad, there's, a, there's sadness in this because... You know, he doesn't want to be perceived as his father's uh, cane, not like a walking cane, but you know what I mean, the yep. character. He doesn't want to be perceived as the, as the disappointment. And, and here it is. 
and and it is it's harsh it is so harsh you know the sound is there like everything artistically is here to do what this song needs to do along with these lyrics and along with the subject matter just so good it's so like guys this is song two right this is song two on the record <laughs> here we go again Woo! And with the third song i'm about to cry it's fine <laughs> all right well this is the third song it's uh it's something something in the night continue down this rabbit hole of despair um (laughs) (laughs) uh this song is there's so many things technically interesting about this song to me Mm -hmm. and and one is is simply in the way that it starts um you know he's just kind of wailing vocally yep and and then the, the 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 drum roll on the tom you know that doesn't fit like it even seems to get a little out of sync rhythm rhythmically uh with what's going on there with the with the with the piano and, the, and that sort of thing um 
you know, until they break into, you know, the, the actual rhythm and the, and the tune. But even then, once you like the structure of, of some of these, these sentences and the rhymes and, and the way that, well, like <clears throat> there in that last verse that we, that we got to listen to, as soon as you've uh-huh. got something, they send and he pauses at, at sin, like send is the end of the line. But it's the first part of kind of the, the thought and response as soon as you got something. And he, and he sings it. There's a pause, someone to try to take it away. And it's almost like there, it, there's just a stilted composure, and, and composition, I should say, to, to the delivery of these lines. Yes. That, that's really interesting when you get down into the heart of the subject matter because the subject matter here is someone who's got a million things on his mind who feels like, well, look, I've got stuff running around my head that I just can't live down, you know, and, and this is, this is the life of someone who, who is burdened by all the things that we've talked about. You know, he's trying, he's pushing in the badlands, Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't, it's not working. Like, I love how sparse this song is. Mm -hmm. Like the verses, it's, the Tom and Bruce, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not a lot of bells and whistles. Again, very anti what Born to Run was. Right, right. Which, like, you know, you listen to the song Born to Run. There's so much happening on it's that, that re- on that song. It's that wall of sound, Kristen. Yeah, it's the ant- and this song is the antithesis of that. But there's also some Steve. Like, I've what I've pulled up here is, and I want to thank Amazon Prime. Uh, <laughs> Because I, I I don't have this entire album and I don't know why, um, oh my gosh. but uh, but so so that's how I'm playing. But it, but this is the the remastered version from 2010, mm-hmm. and you can oh, hear goodness. you can hear in, in the in the back part of this song, Steve is just picking away, mm-hmm. and really playing like a very good guitar part on this. That it's not like we're normally it would be up front. Yes. You know, normally something like that, when you're actually singing along and in tune with what's happening with that guitar that's that's going on, you know, the playing of the guitar, it, here it's mixed to be behind everything. It, and it's just, it, it it's an, in, in some ways it's an off-putting song because of the composition of it all, Kristen. Oh, I don't know about off-putting. Well, what I mean, what <laughs> it I, what, is emotional. It, it is um, emotional, but that's the thing, and that's and I think that's one of the keys to this is is is, is off-putting is, I don't mean it's off-putting in the sense of I don't like it. I mean that it is it's off-putting for all the right reasons. Yeah, like there, it there's, is. There's like a desperation. To yes, this song. it is meant to put you off kilter when you're listening. You've got to hear, you you've got to listen to what he's saying. And, and as you start to get into things, and even some of these things seem like just that first verse, okay? It sounds, the first four lines are very, um, they're, they're very, make sense. I'm riding down Kingsley, figuring I'll get a drink. I'll turn up the radio loud so I don't have to think. And then he says, I take her to the floor. And you're like, what are mm-hmm. you talking about? You take her to the floor. And then you realize, oh, he means he put the pedal to the metal. Yep. <laughs> you know, looking for a moment when the world seems right. And I tear into the guts of something in the night. And and you have to chew on that. You have to realize that you know this dude. He's he's talking kind of violently about just driving through the night, mm-hmm. you know. And and he's just he's and, and this is that. Well, not to, Rocky Four. <laughs> Do it, Steve. Yeah. Take it there. It's Rocky Four. When after he's had his conversation with Adrian on the steps, where she's like, 
you can't win. He's like, well, there it is. I can't win. You know, if Adrian says it, I can't win. But to beat me, you're going to have to kill me. And to do that, he's got to have the guts to face me. And to do that, he's got to show up at the fight. And to do that, he's going to have to get a ride. To do that, he's going to have to ask somebody. And I don't know if he can talk. Um, but after that conversation, which I make fun of, but it's really an emotional conversation because it's the, it's it's Adrian not saying... I'm scared for you. It's saying she's saying you can't win. Rocky is now on his own for the first time in years in this thing. Mm-hmm. Like Adrian doesn't have his back. She's not going to be sitting ringside. And so he takes off driving into the night. And of course there's a great eighties song, you know, there's no easy, but this is that same idea. This is that thing that, and, and, and I'm sure everyone does it. I'm just going to say from a dude's perspective, this is that thing we do <laughs> where, where it's like I got to get off by myself, and the best place to do that is in my vehicle, yep. with with the tunes up and just just driving in the night and getting out on a road where I can just let her eat, just to get my thoughts out there. And that's what's going on here. And I can't tell you the times that I was out on the back roads of South Georgia, just like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing here? You know, what's going? And and what's so funny, Kristen, is you know, being, gosh, when did we? I mean, that's been two, three years ago now, you since know, the, the, since just kind of, I guess it's been, there was a journey there with getting into Bruce where I got hooked Yeah. and I got hooked because I felt everything he was feeling, you know, <laughs> in these songs because of where I was at. And now I'm looking back on that saying, yeah, I get this. Now, I'm not there now, you know, but I get it. And and I think and and I go back to what I said about Badlands. This this is the key to Bruce Springsteen is that if you've lived life at all, you get it. Yep, this will speak to you in some way at some point in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And I, Miss Lyric, mm-hmm. would be remiss if I did not point out the last verse of this song. Okay. Because oh my sweet lord, <laughs> like when we found the things we loved crushed and dying in the dirt. We tried to pick up the pieces and get away without getting hurt, but they caught us at the state line and burned our cars in one last fight and left us running, burning, and blind, chasing something in the night. Hmm. And again, that verse, it is Bruce's voice, and it is that drum. And then after he says chasing something in the night, that guitar comes right to the forefront. Yeah, yep. God. It's just so heavy. It is. Like, it. that song, like like I said, I was driving the other night, and a few of these songs just made me cry when yeah. I was just, like, prepping for this show. And this song was one of them. Like, from the second the song started, I started to cry. Well, and, and I want to say this, too, because, you know, and, and again, because we do sometimes get philosophical on this show, and, and I do think it's interesting that, that this album is a follow-up to the album that had to be a hit for Bruce. Uh-huh. You know, and it was a hit for Bruce. And suddenly Bruce Springsteen has everything that he wanted professionally. But he still, but, but once he has it, he realizes, well, this is not great. It's yep. great to be successful, and it's great to, to, to have what's going on, but he went through that lawsuit with the label. He, he's... You know, there's there's the price of fame. There's the pressure of repeating now. Yeah. You know, and meanwhile, he's still got all this stuff that has never been resolved. 
you know, with home, with dad. And, and so I, I really do think that this is the process by which, you know, at the time in his life, and he's talked about, you know, a lot of these songs don't have quite the meaning that they did at the time because he's a different person now. Mm-hmm. You, you grow and you change, and that's what we're supposed to do. But you can really see, you know, to take the lesson from this is you've got to be happy with who you are before you're going to be happy with where you are or before you're going to get things straightened out with, with things, with, with relationships with people or, or whatever the case may be. Because if you're, because no amount of success, no amount of, um, of, of fame can bring you that peace. Yes. You know? And, and I think that's what we're seeing in this album. And I think the beauty of just music in general, and especially a record like this, like, yes, and any record of Bruce's, honestly, but it's like, yes, you might not be in that place anymore, but there will always be someone somewhere that's going through that and needs to hear songs like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To know that they're not alone. Right. And I, and again, I think that is the magic of Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Is that is that these these are themes and these are states of being that transcend time. This is forty years ago, and you know when this album is released, and still these themes apply to you know at least people like us. Yep, people on the street, um, <laughs> and thousands of people every single night. Yeah, for live. sure, <laughs> for sure. So, I guess what he found in the night was Candy's Room. A little bit more uplifting of a song. Yeah, here we go. In Candy's Room, there are pictures of her heroes on the wall. To get to Candy's Room, get a walk, darkness at Candy's Hall. Strangers from the city, call my baby's number, and they bring her toys. When I come knocking, she smiles pretty. She knows I'm gonna be Candy's boy. There's a sadness hidden in that pretty face. A sadness all her own, from which no man can keep Candy safe. We kissed. My heart was just in my brain. And the blood rushes in my veins. The fire rushes through the sky. Driving deep into the night I go driving deep into the light Can't play too much of that song because it is so short. It is so short. <laughs> but it does have one epic little guitar part in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be wild, you got a lot to learn. Oh, that's the, oh, that lyric. I tell people all the time when they ask me, do you have tattoos, Kristen? No, I don't. Because the only thing that I ever think would be reasonable to get tattooed on me would be song lyrics. And I would literally be song lyrics from head <laughs> to toe. Well, why is this one important? Well, why is this one important? They just are. Like, oh. That, like, I've said it on this show before because I'm pretty sure we've played Candy's Room. But, like, this song will always hold a special place in my heart. 
because this was the first Bruce song I ever heard live when oh, I was wow. nine years old. Nice. Like I hear those symbols and the high I see I hear that hi hat and I am immediately transported back to the first Union Center in Philly. I can remember what it felt like. I can remember how the room smelled. Like literally everything. This moment was a game changer forever for me. Now, <clears throat> is Candy a prostitute? I mean, one could take it that way. Well, now you now you make me feel like I've taken it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's music, isn't it? All how, whatever you want it to be. Sure, I guess so. <laughs> well, how do you want it to be? <laughs> I mean. I think she is, I don't know that she's a prostitute, but I definitely think, think she, she's that unattainable mm. person. She could be a prostitute, well, who knows? Uh, but she's uh, definitely unattainable, and she definitely has a list of suitors from, <laughs> that from, are going to go before Bruce ever will. From, from songfacts.com, uh, the song is assumed to be about a prostitute named Candy. Asked if this was true in, two, in a 2010 interview with Rolling Stone, Springsteen said... Does it really matter? Exactly. Does mm. it? I, I mean, let's just all be thankful it's not Kitty's Back, a.k.a. the worst song in Bruce's catalog. <laughs> which is about a stripper. Okay? Mm -hmm. like, let's be happy. Let's be happy it's Candy's room. Well, I mean, it seems like... But he says at the end that what she wants is me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I want her so. Mm-hmm. Last time me and Angie saw um, Bruce, or no, was it the last time? No, I don't think it was the last time. One of the last times, I don't know. We've seen them, him so much. But, like, he did, he played this song, and we, like, lost our mind. Like, we had no voice. Because <laughs> we didn't expect it. And it's not like he plays this song all the time. And just, like, like you said, Steve, baby, if you want to be wild, you got a lot to learn. Like, mm. what a great song and all that i want and all that i live to make candy mine tonight like you just scream those lyrics man <laughs> well and it you know it also this seems like unrequited love mm -hmm. you know it it kind of seems like he's being used in some way that this i is... mean wouldn't it just go with the theme of this record <laughs> right right that's and that's what i'm trying to do is just tie it all in there and you know i this is one of those things where I, I never really, with this song, considered the lyrics. And so I'm just really considering them now. That's what, <laughs> you know what we should do at some point? What? Let me put this in the old Marvel notebook. I was going to say, it's about lyrics. I'm mm. already loving it. We should take uh, any song, maybe a few songs, and, and play a little bit, but then actually what we call in the, uh, in the English major, extrapolate. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm sorry. Explicate, extrapolate, stupid. Expl <laughs> explicate the poetry of the song. Like, get in there and, and pick it, pick these lyrics apart. I love it. We should do that. All right. Yes. It's in the. We'll notebook. have a round table. Mm-hmm. That'd be me fun. Me and you. Yeah, me and you. That's a. Yep. <laughs> Could you pass the salt, please? It's a round table. Here, oh, oh, here you go. Here, here it is. <laughs> sorry. Can you get that? We should get us a lazy Susan for this thing. Um, oh. I love things that spin. <laughs> Tell us more about that, Kristen, please. We talking it's ceiling fans? It's fine. 
<laughs> I mean, Kristen, sometimes I think you say, well, I think we all do this, but you know, there's those moments of time where we say things out loud that it's like, we're going to need more information on this because I don't. <laughs> it's a quote from a dry queen. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, a Brooklyn dry queen. And she goes, I love things that spin. Okay. I thought you were meaning like you really, I thought we just found a fun Kristen quirk <laughs> that like, I just sit and watch ceiling fans all day. I mean, not all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Elaine from Seinfeld watching the tires go round and round and round Yay. and realizing she's become George. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. What a great episode. So good. I've become George. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if if get, you need any other reason to listen to Rock Out Loud, let me give you just one more. On this show alone, we've talked about <laughs> Game of Thrones <laughs> for 10 minutes. We've we've we have recommended Infinity War to you and Kristen, and now there's the Seinfeld reference. I almost feel like it's an obligatory and a Tommy Boy reference. A Tommy Boy reference. I almost feel like it's an obligatory Seinfeld reference. I feel like we re- reference Seinfeld often. I love Seinfeld. Oh, it's one of the greatest shows ever invented by human beings. My, my whole life is a Seinfeld <laughs> reference. Oh well, let's bring the room down. All right, everybody, take a breath. If you have tissues, get your tissues. If you have an alcoholic beverage, get that. Like, just, like, stone yourself. You're going to need to be, like, ready for this. Or steal yourself, even. That's what I meant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't stone yourself. (laughs) I mean, you can make yourself stoned, like, if you look at Medusa. Okay. Very good. Here we go. (laughs) Let's just get to racing in the street. Some guys come home from work and wash up 
This song is so deceptively depressing. So beautiful. It is. It is a. It is a. I love. I really do love this song. <laughs> but like, it's just this. It's a nice song. It's it, it. It almost feels like you know. He's talking about. He's literally talking about street racing. Yep. Until the last verse. Oh. And that's when he kills you. Jesus. <laughs> She sits on the porch of her daddy's house, but all her pretty dreams are torn. She stares off alone into the night with the eyes of one who hates for just being born. Mm. And then your favorite one, tonight my baby and me, we're going to ride to the sea and wash these sins off our hands. Yeah, because ain't nothing like going to the sea, y'all. You want to take it straight up. I know, I live there. It's, uh, I know, up on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> It's just sad where he talks about, I met her on the strip three years ago. I blew the Camaro off my back and drove that little girl away, but now there's wrinkles around my baby's eyes, and she cries herself to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And is she crying for him? Is she crying because of the relationship? Is she crying because she's stuck in something she don't want to be in? All of the above? I think it could be all of the above. Oh. It's just... Uh, it's it's really sad. It's a very, it it you know someone uh, well my girlfriend I was talking about Jack and Diane one night for some reason Jack and Diane came up. <laughs> little ditty. <laughs> little ditty. Maybe it was on the radio and I'm like oh yeah here we go best baseline in the world. <laughs> um, and she's like this is just a really depressing song to me. And I'm like why? Wow. And I, right. And I'm like, why is it a depressing song? And she's like, well, what's the lyric they say about, um, about not, about being a, you know, the thrill of living is gone. I'm like, you're talking about long, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. She's like, yeah, that's just depressing. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> I never looked at it that no, way. Maybe, maybe it is, you know, and it, because she's like, yeah, just think about it. You you've had the thrill of life, but and it and that's all gone. But now, all you know, it's all gone. You but you've still got to live without the thrill of living. And I'm like, my God, uh, <laughs> I can't I can't take this right uh-uh, now. Uh-uh. And that's a very upbeat song, and it's and that is deceptively deceptive. This one is very pretty. It's a very beautiful song. It's the melody is just it sucks you in, and you feel like oh, I'm just going to relax and listen to him talk about racing on the streets. Now she's got wrinkles in her eyes and she cries herself to sleep. What? Bruce! What are you doing over here, man? Come on. I mean, I think Angie sums it up really well in the chat. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this record resonates with us because it's a feeling of just trying to be enough. Ooh. I know, right? (sighs) Mm. We've all been there. That was kind of a gut punch of truth. Right? Man. See, this, this is why she's a silent third member. That's great. 
What now? What about this? What about and this is something I didn't realize. I'm now reading it. I'm I'm doing research on the fly with some of this stuff. I love it. You know, you could probably not say that and just you know put your little research. Oh in. yeah. Well, how about uh, that last line of the song being a takeoff of Martha and Vandella's "Dancing in the Street," which is "Summer's here and the time is right for for dancing in the street." And oh he yeah. Says, "Summer's here and the time is right for racing in the street." I'll take racing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, dancing in the street's a lot more upbeat. Yeah. You know, unless it's unless it's Mick Jagger and David Bowie. But Oh my <laughs> We miss we miss you, Bowie. Oh, always. Um, mm-hmm. Uh same two thousand ten interview, Bruce says when you pick a song like Racing in the Street, that's a hard song to write. But that was a sort of local culture of Asbury in the seventies, which is still deeply enmeshed in our car culture. When you went to the Stone Pony was a constant circle of souped-up muscle cars on Saturday and Sunday. Once again, I sort of stood outside of it. I was hitchhiking. I didn't have a car, but I wanted one real bad. <laughs> and so, but to me, the crux of this song is that last verse. Yeah. You know. Well, I remember, Steve, sorry to cut you off, yeah. but I remember when we did one of our Bruce shows and I gave you a bunch of clips from mm-hmm. different documentaries he did. Yes. And Bruce says, like, there was a lot of versions of this song going around, and there was a version where there was no girl in the song. And he gave it to a few people, Lil' Steven being one of them, and Lil' Steven was like, the one with the girl in it. Hmm. That's the version. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Man. That was a marathon episode we did all on Bruce Springsteen. It was, and I... and. I think it was all the depressing songs because I picked all of them. <laughs> yeah, I let Kristen go nuts. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Also, like, I, I have to say, like, this song is such a good summer song. Like, it yes. really is great yeah. to, like, drive with the windows down, like, at twilight listening to this song. And I will tell you, like, if y'all are Springsteen fans and you have never been to Jersey, just come to Jersey and listen to some of these songs while you were in the state. It it is like eerie how well it fits. Mm. When I lived in Florida, there were certain songs that I was like, "This is a great song. I know it's a great song, but I don't feel it." As soon as I would come back home and listen to it, hairs on my arms right up. I noticed that a friend of the Gulliver Stuffity is in the chat, and Stuffity's been instrumental in helping me straighten some things out and making sure that I've got all my. T's crossed, my eyes dotted with some stuff as far as the the websites and everything go, and and I really appreciate Stuffy, and I also super appreciate the fact that Stuffy has been a staple over at Disney Vault Talk and Rebel Yell. And one time, I just randomly said, "I wish I could edit video good because I would edit this video to this song." Da 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 da. And ever since then, he's kind of it's kind of become the old uh, the old Stuffy doing things that just blow my mind, editing <laughs> song, editing music into different Star Wars or Disney videos. I'm tempted right now to say, <clears throat> I need a, uh, a Racing in the Street mashup to Cars. Anyhow. Oh, um, God. <laughs> can you just see Lightning McQueen like on his last little leg? Oh, especially with Cars 3 where he's so old and broke down. Um, Never seen Cars, but okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what Cars is. The first cars is very much it's it's your typical this person's really good at something and then um and then they find themselves in a position where they need to be better and so the old master shows up 
and teaches person how to be better. Ah. You know, meanwhile, they learn a lot about themselves and about life, and they may fall in love. And um, so anyhow, it's, you know, it's it's the, uh, it's not the best of all the, Dis- of all the Pixar movies, but <laughs> it's there. But it's, it's tolerable. It's, it's yeah, good. Sure it is. Sure it is. Three was all right. Um, and remember, everybody, to bring it back to Bruce, mm-hmm. this this song that we just played is the end of side one. Right. So it's the down. It is the down. So it we is flip the record over. Now that I've depressed y'all, mm-hmm. flip the record over and let's move on to where? The promised land. The promised land. In the future, Britney Spears would rip off this song with the phrase, not a girl, not yet a woman. (laughs) I mean, she did used to think she had the answers to everything. (laughs) Um, Add that to the list of things we've talked about on the show. There you go. um, But this is, I don't, there's... I like how he's calling himself out on his naivete. Mm-hmm. I ain't a boy. And no, I'm. He says, I ain't a boy. No, I'm a man. And I believe in the promised land. But he's talking to someone older there, you know, mister. Yep. I, you know, and it's almost like, look, I still believe there's something better at the end of this. You know, I haven't been beat down. It's almost Independence Day. I, they're not going to do to me what they did to you. <gasps> I can't. I can't. But again, we get the hope in this song. Mm -hmm. And again, add it to the list of um, things Kristen would get tattooed on her and just be head-to-toe in lyrics. Blow away the dreams that tear you apart. Blow away the dreams that break your heart. Blow away the lies that leave you nothing but lost and brokenhearted. Mm. Those are words to live by. Like, not even kidding. Like, those are great. Like, that is a great philosophy to live by. And I try to every day. (laughs) Don't well, laugh at me. I just like the earnestness with which you said I try to every day. <laughs> this is my this is my burden. It's my anthem. I must carry it. 
Um, <clears throat> it, it's just, it's, it's almost the second part of Badlands. Yes. You know, it really is. And, and again, it's that four corners idea of this album that it, it starts off. So it's just, and it's a good song and it, and it's back to that, that standard and standards is the wrong word, but that, that standard East street band feel, you know? Everybody's just a playing along, you know. I can see his big old smile on his face while he's singing it, hmm. you know. Um, another live song too, like mm-hmm. this song live. Like everybody pumps their fists in the air with, like even me. Like I'm definitely not a boy and I'm definitely not a man, but um, I scream those lyrics and pump my fists in the air, and <laughs> you do, and it's yeah. just like. It's that song, as soon as you hear that harmonica, mm-hmm. like, everyone's uplifted. Yeah, yeah. Like, if he just did, like, the rising, the song before, this comes on, the whole crowd's back up and we're happy again. Hmm. I love the line, I've done my best to live the right way. And, well, this whole verse, I've done my best to live the right way. I get up every morning, go to work each day. But your eyes go blind, your blood runs cold. Sometimes I feel weak and I just want to explode. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the idea, well, then he goes, explode and tear this whole town apart. Take a knife and cut this pain from my heart. Find somebody itching for something to start. In other words, he's like, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do what's right. What is, oh, it's a movie. What is the movie? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. (laughs) What is that? Well, with the way you just said it, it sounded like Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) No, no, it's not. Wow. (laughs) And my southern drawl has come back to bite me. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it's just your voice. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's a Pulp Fiction. Recently, oh, I had a, recently, I had a spiritual experience. I'm going to be bad. I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. That's what uh, is at the end. And, and, um, and Samuel Jackson's character thinks he's witnessed a miracle. He's a hired killer. And he thinks he's witnessed a miracle. And now he finds himself in the midst of this couple robbing a... Uh, a diner and um and basically he's giving the dude a speech as in all tarantino movies because everyone gives speeches and that's how they do <laughs> but it's the same idea kind of you know it's like i'm doing my best to do what's right i'm trying real hard <laughs> you know but maybe here tarantino was inspired who knows maybe he's very inspired by music that's true that's true but it's it's that idea and anyone who's ever been in a job that they hate or in a situation they gets it again it's it's I just want to explode, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm going to get rid of everything that's broken my heart and the things that tore me down. I'm going to get rid of it because I believe in a promised land. And I'm going to get there one day. And then when you look in the grand scape of this album, like this and these lyrics and what they go into in the next song. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing. We're gonna we're gonna get a little bit more into you know the whole just just trying my best. Right. Get up every morning and go to work each day. Right. Whew. I believe in the promised land, but there's a big factory in my way. Mm. Here we go, factory. Walks out 
piano in that sounds like some old country western um just lay you know and now Saloon? yeah but you know but but that that whole thing where they i wish i knew the the title of the actual song i'd play a little bit of it for you um but and now friends it's time to go you know that yeah. that kind of but this song it's like this to me you go from adam raises the cane as the second track on the first side to factory as the second track on the second side both of those songs are about his father yep and here he's he's almost pitying his father mm-hmm. for for his for his plight in life you know the factory takes his hearing but the factory gives him life you know, without that, there's no food on the table. There's no, you know, there, there's no roof over our head. But mm-hmm. look what all, look at what it's taken from it. It's, uh, it reminds me of, in, in some ways, uh, the, the soliloquy of, in Macbeth. If I can go a little Shakespeare on you. Please do. Get your, uh, get your skull out. Thank you. Um, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllables of recorded time and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death out out brief candle life is but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing when I hear that song that's what I think about is Macbeth just as he was delivering that soliloquy, it's the idea of things just go and go and go, and it's the same thing every day. And we may think we're doing something, but really we're not. Yep, but are you know? we? Right. I mean, just the lyric, men walk through these gates with death in their eyes. Like, mm. it's that I'm here, and I'm doing what I have to do to put food on the table for my family and, you know, make a living but what am I getting out of it? Like factory gives him life. Yes. But what kind of life? Right. Um, <laughs> just the working life. Yep. Just the working life. And again, super like simple song. Like it's three verses. That's it. I don't think this song breaks three minutes. If it does, it just breaks no, three minutes. No, it's the shortest. It's the shortest track on the album at two eighteen. Two eighteen, and one of Bruce's most powerful songs. Probably one of his most like, in terms of because you know Bruce obviously has the reputation of being the working man's rock star, the working man's musician. He speaks for the working man. Probably one of the most revered songs in that vein in his entire catalog. Yep. It is uh it it's interesting too when you when you because and you said this at the outset, you know, there's not the the epic length songs on this. You know, Racing in the Street is almost seven minutes and that's the longest one. Mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of succinct and and, and not really, you know, in some in some ways it doesn't feel that much like Bruce, but it is. You know, it's yep. totally Bruce. And 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 I just I think there's some neat symmetry here with these two songs about his father being the second songs on either side. And one and one kind of bemoaning the fact that 
our relationship so strained because I refuse to be anything that my father wants me to be. And the other, I really pity my father. Look what he's going through. Yep. It's that, and that's what he, and that is the, the, the conflict that he grew up with, you know, through his teenage years and a little bit later on. And again, I come back to that's what we all do for our parents. You know, we, as we're rebelling, we're like, oh, they've got it so bad. But we also come to a point where we're like, oh, man, I wish they could be better or do better, you know, whatever the case may be. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. When we saw Bruce on the River Tour talking about how you almost resent your parents because of the sacrifices they make for your life mm-hmm. and for your benefit. Mm. And that's the entire story of the river. And you start to see those sorts of emotions and feelings and thoughts in this record with songs like factory and with songs like Adam raised a cane. Yeah. Like all of his albums, definitely. They very much kind of blend, especially these, like the, uh, the early albums, Mm -hmm. they do very much like blend into one another pretty seamlessly. There's not one that you're like, I mean, born in the USA is pretty like, Whoa, what? Right. But I think up until then, well, I, this tri- there's this trilogy of albums. Um, there, you know, it's the Born to Run, it's this, and then the River, mm-hmm. are, are just this really perfect trilogy of, you know, autobiography of uh, at that time in his life. That I think that those albums really resonate. They're the ones that I think lyrically resonate the most consistently over time. Yes. Probably. Honestly, like not just saying this because, you know, we're obviously fans of Bruce, but probably three of like the strongest, like back to back to back records for sure in like rock history. And not to mention that the river is a freaking double record. Right. And was a great concert, by the way. I'm so happy you went. Uh, well, we, we've been going about 90 minutes. We've got three songs left here. Let's, let's get them with uh, Streets of Fire. When I'm nice, quiet, and you don't care anymore, my eyes will turn
Now, Kristen, this song, I honestly think this is a song that was about 15 to, yeah, about 15 years too early. Okay, explain. Well, because here's the thing. If you just do this, we're the nerds quiet. (laughs) We don't care anymore. You gonna tell me? You gonna tell me this wouldn't have fit right in around that time of music? With you know, you just you change up a little bit of the the tonality of some of the instruments and everything. I was gonna say, I'm. I think you would have to take out that uh, high note. I hear somebody call my name. Well, that you just have been appreciated. You just yell. You just yell at that point. I hear somebody call my name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta do the yeah. Yeah. By the way, earlier in the show, I saw where someone in the chat said, uh, "Steve like does Steve like Bruce Springsteen or Creed more?" Obviously, I, Creed guys, come on. I don't appreciate that Sophie's choice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this so is. Um, I'm a wondering. I'm wondering. I'm a loser down these tracks. I'm dying, but girl, I can't go back. I walk with angels that have no place. Mm. I mean, like, that's all you can Dang do sometimes. Yeah, that's all you can do sometimes. This is one of those songs that, like, I will pull with Steve Glosson and be like, I just feel it. Right? Yeah. I, like, and... you feel this song. You feel those raw emotions. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. How about I walk with angels that that have no place? It's almost like, to me, that's one of the that's of this contemporary of this actual time in his life. You know, after all he went through with the with the label and everything after this, after the after Born to Run. Mm-hmm. You know, I walk with angels that have no place. That's just seems like very very real for that moment in time. But also, I live now only with strangers. I talk to only strangers. Like it's that feeling of being lost. It's that feeling of being alone in the crowd. Yeah. We've all been there. Yep. I'm 28. Sometimes I still feel that way. <laughs> I'm 41 and I feel that way every time I'm in a pl- in a crowd. <sighs> so, yeah, that's just that's life. That's how so many of us feel. Um Streets of Fire. Mm. The And where do we go from here? Grunge before grunge was grunge. Precursor to grunge. Mm-hmm. Streets of Fire, Bruce Springsteen. And so he's going. And, and just in case you doubt him, he's going to prove it all night.
Kristen? Yes. Go ahead. Oh, like if dreams came true, oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> but this ain't no dream. We're living it through tonight. Girl, you want it, you take it, you pay the price. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And then just the last verse in the song, too. Like they made their choices and they'll never know what it means to steal, to cheat, to lie, what it's like to live and die. I've been working real hard trying to get my hands clean. I'm sorry. That I mean that is that is someone that is someone paying penance, you know, that's someone trying to to again, it go well it goes back to what Angie said earlier, you know. Trying really hard but never quite feeling like you've made it there, you know, never quite feeling like you're enough. It goes back to racing in the streets. Yeah. Tonight, my baby and me are going to drive to the sea and wash these sins off our hands. Yeah. Mm. All these, like, little little ties together mm -hmm. throughout this record. Well, and that's what he did. Well, again, that's what he did with this trilogy of records. Yep. There was a point, you know, there, there, was, a, there was a progression and there was a theme throughout. And... Um, you know, th it, this is also just trying to find some solace in love, if not love, at least love for tonight, you know, in someone. But this is the idea of we're, I get the sense that they're going against what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Not, you it, know, gets, it, it feels like the vibe, like almost like Romeo and Juliet, you know? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like. <clears throat> this is not the ideal match. People don't really support this match. That's how it feels. Is that? I mean, when you talk about, you know, you hear the voices telling you not to go. That's kind of the thing. I'm, I'm getting there. You know. Um. Prove it all night, girl, and call the bluff. Mm-hmm. And then just like the simple, simple line of "I prove it all night for your love." Hmm. Like Bruce doesn't like. When people think of Bruce Springsteen, they don't necessarily think of love songs. Right. But things like that, like little lines like that, are so perfect. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they show that there's a heart under that hard exterior, right? <laughs> yes. Well, <clears throat> well, I've said a million times, and I'm and I'm known to repeat myself. <laughs> but Bruce Springsteen is one of the coolest cats in the world, and and he's not afraid to smile. You know, I I don't know that there's a hard exterior there anymore, at least. You know, the Bruce that I know now, you know, is, is a Bruce who's mature and content and everything. I'm sure that young Bruce, there was that hard exterior. I mean, you look at the smoldering young man on the cover of this album. Oh, taken in Haddonfield, which, New Jersey. Which, by the way, this is the album that uh, there's a painting up in a local coffee shop. So funny. Oh my gosh. Yes. Are you going to tell the story? Yes. There's a painting. I think th I may have told it before. I, I know I told you, but there's a painting of a local coffee shop and it's this image of Bruce and the dude painted it like it's a long canvas. And so there's four different images, this image of Bruce, just in different color schemes. And so we were at this coffee shop, my girlfriend and, I, and she's like, that's so weird that someone painted a portrait of John Cusack like that. And I looked at it a minute, and like she said it with such sincerity that it gave me pause. And I'm like, is that? No, that's not right. That's not. <laughs> is everything I know a lie? And I had to pull up the album cover, and I'm like, yeah, okay. That's Bruce Springsteen. No, it's not. <laughs> it's John Cusack. And I'm like, 
No, it's it's Bruce Springsteen. And the title, and I finally looked at the title of the painting. It's called The Boss. And so she was she was wrong, or she's like, or she liked to say, or she likes to say, um, she was not as right as I was. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no one's ever wrong. You're just not as right. Well, I I've had to talk about that with her. Oh, because are yeah. you wrong a lot? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking. Usually the guy is wrong a lot, so. <laughs> well, that's what you that's what people want you to think. <laughs> so, uh, only on this podcast. Uh Oh god. Chris <laughs> like I know what that means. I can't. I know what that pause and that uh means. <sighs> Let's just play it. Oh. Chris, you ever hung out in the darkness on the edge of town? Many times. Yeah. <laughs> I spent I spent a few years there. Oh. I meant literally, not metaphorically. Um, so did I. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I'm just making sure we're on the same page. <sighs> there is, throughout this album, and I just realized this, there's a breakup happening throughout this album. Okay. And here, um, this is the aftermath. Lost my money and I lost my wife. Those things don't seem to matter much to me now. <laughs> well, I mean, look, she knows where to, she wants to see me. She knows, I, I found, it's not hard to find me. Yep. You know. Just out in the darkest on the edge of town. Yeah. Um. I love that through all of, Again, I know Steve doesn't like this word, but throughout all the angst on this record, throughout all the emotions and all the feels and all the words I used to describe it earlier, I love that the last notion 
of this record is tonight I'll be on that hill because I can't stop and I'll be on that hill with everything that I've got. Mm. Like that gets me choked up. Mm -hmm. Like that is through all the crap and through all the awful stuff and all the bad stuff, I'll be on that hill with everything I've got. This is why I like sobbed after I met the man. Because <laughs> <laughs> that happened. <sighs> Which, if you if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and check the archives for when Kristen met Bruce. It is um. I I, lo I love that story so much that like you held yourself together so well, and then you got in the car. <laughs> got in the car, I got to the parking lot right outside the bookstore. Oh man, and just Broke lost down. it. Couldn't even talk to my dad. But that's good. That's fine. And he was great to you. He was super nice. Oh, everything I everything I could have wanted. That, and that makes me so happy. He's just the best guy. He's. Just, he Thank is. you for music like this. Now please get off Broadway and please tour with the band and play this song in Philly because I've never seen it live. Oh really? You've never seen um. Darkness on the Edge of Town Live. Yep, 26 flippin' shows, never seen this song live once. W-T-F. Wow. That's crazy. I know! <sighs> well. Gosh, this song. I'm just, like, sitting here looking at the lyrics, and I'm just like, oh my god. I'll be there on time, and I'll pay the cost. For wanting things that can only be found in the darkness on the edge it's of town. on the edge of town. <clears throat> so what do we think guys what how does this compare to the other big bruce records what do we you know think it wasn't commercially successful but what about in your hearts well what do you let me ask you this what do you think i think it's his best studio record really yes hmm live 75 85 then this but Live 7585 isn't a studio record, so this. Right. Like I said, like Born to Born Run does not hit me the way that this record hits me. I sure. love Born to Run. Mm -hmm. but it, and Born to Run has my favorite Bruce song of all time on it. It doesn't hit me like this. Right. The River doesn't hit me like this. Greetings from Asbury Park and The Wild and the Innocent certainly don't hit me like this. Right. <laughs> to I, me, this is the peak. This is yeah. the pinnacle. It's never been better. I, I got to tell you, I, I think that this is a, and maybe it's because of the sheer volume of, of tracks on the river. Mm -hmm. and, and so there's so much that it's like, well, I could do without that, or I could take this out, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, with this, you know, just these 10 tracks or what have you is... It, I, it's a solid album mm -hmm. from 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 start to finish, you know. No filler. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I'm not the biggest fan of Candy's Room. Oh. But, you know. I get that, though. Yeah. I, like I said, I have a sentimental attachment to that song. Right, right. You know, and, and I think Independence Day is my favorite Bruce song. Okay. You know, and it's on the river. And I have a sentimental attachment to the river just because that was, you know, he was doing the river tour when I saw him. 
and and it was so good, you know, it was so good. But at I the same, you said you listened to that record for like three re- three weeks beforehand before yeah, you went, just to get ready. Um, but I I think that this is I think that this is a more solid album. I really do. Wow. Yeah. Which that's not taking any away from anything else, you know. I mean, it's just. No, but in the grand scheme of things, you all like we all have our favorites. We all mm-hmm. have the stuff that sits with us more. We could we could sit and rank stuff all all day. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, here's my top ten. This I have a friend who literally will just message me and be like, "Top ten Desert Island records, go." <laughs> what? Who are you, John? Who's your friend, John Cusack from High is Fidelity? It- I mean, his name is John, but he's not John Cusack. But then I'll send stuff back to him. I'll be like, rank all the Def Leppard albums, best to worst, mm-hmm. go. So we have that kind of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, give me three hours. Hang on. Let me really think about this. <laughs> give me time. Yeah. But <clears throat> Bruce, you asked me, you're like, all right, like, top Bruce record, go. Mm-hmm. Darkest on the Edge of Town. Don't even think about it. Not even a question. Unless they say studio records are involved, or uh, live records are involved, and then I say live 7585, but... <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I can't disagree. You know, I can't... Uh, I don't think that... Um, I don't think that's... I don't think that's a bad statement. I do think that the, those three albums, Born to Run, Darkness on the Edge of Town, The River, is just a perfect trilogy of, of albums. I don't. I don't think it gets much better than that as far as a back-to-back-to-back situation. And um. And and I don't know. <laughs> Lip pop. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know that it's ever been as good as that trilogy of albums either. Since then. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Are you telling me that you don't think like? Tunnel of Love, Human Touch, and Lucky Town are like the greatest Bruce Just records of all time. Is that what you're saying? Human Touch. I don't know. Now you brought up Human Touch. I'm... Oh my God. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. Are you there? Are you sick? Are you taking some medication that's like impairing your mind? What, I don't really know. What's going on over there, buddy? Talk to me. Yeah. What's happening? Let's, yeah. let's turn the microphones off and uh, let's talk about this a little bit. I'm yeah, concerned. Let's, uh... Let's let's look at that. Let's let's look at what's going on with you there. <laughs> Just a little of that human touch. Okay, this is the darkest podcast. <laughs> let's cut it. <laughs> don't don't be tainting that. Okay. All right. Let's not taint the glory. Fair enough. Okay. Well. And that was The Darkness by Bruce Springsteen. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Kristen, I, I got to tell you something. I know that we we had a, a, a while there where we didn't get to do much together, but I feel like we're right back in lockstep. Ditto. Great, great, great episode. I'll just say that publicly in front of everybody. Kristen, if we don't get emails telling us how good this episode is, then, it's rigged. then people just aren't listening. Um, you can email us to let us know how great this episode was. <laughs> at uh, rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. It's rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. Again, uh, this these albums are on Amazon Prime. If you don't have Amazon Prime, go to geekoutonline.com. There's links there to, to get Amazon Prime, to get Amazon Music. Uh, it's a great service. I, and I'm not saying this because we get a kickback. I'm saying that I prefer what Amazon has done 
with being able to, in, in access to music over what even iTunes has done. And, um, and it, it's kind of become my go-to uh, place for music. So check it out and, uh, and see what you think. That's going to be over at geekoutonline.com, or you can just shop Amazon there with the links. And help us out. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. You can go and you can get the monthly Forceology as well as weekly up-to-date Big Honkin' shows. We're still updating or still uh, replacing old Big Honkin' shows. In fact, I'm at a period of time where there are shows that were never released originally during the daily show era of the Big Honkin' show and going through those and getting those posted for the first time. But many of you have said, well, what about the new shows? Where are they? Well, they're at Patreon. $3 a month will get you four shows a month uh, of the Big Honkin' show along with that Forceology. So if you want to support us there, we appreciate it. And we thank everyone who's done so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. There's a Goloverse group. It's the Guardians of the Goloverse. We have a Rock Out Loud Facebook page. All those things are on Facebook. Give us a like and uh, join up with the group. And there's always some fun stuff going on. The Twitter is at Rock Out Loud Pod on Twitter. Kristen is at Xboxing the Stars. And you can follow the entire Goloverse at Goloverse on Twitter. And we appreciate you following and liking all the stuff. Kristen is going to be going on multiple um, adventures, I'm sure, soon, and you might want to even follow her Twitter so you can see pictures and stuff. She's very good on social medias about posting stuff that she does. It's fun. I am. People are concerned that, you know, I'm not alive when I go over there, so I just need to make sure everyone knows I'm still good. <laughs> yes, indeed. I need to know. Um, <laughs> really quickly, Kristen, I, something I forgot to do as we got into the show you want to give me a, a quick, just few hits on that journey playlist from the other week? I do. Let Set me list, pull I should it up say. really quick. Okay. Journey is touring with Def Leppard right now. Kristen may or may not stick around for him after Def Leppard performs. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm gonna, but Jesus, I would really like Def Leppard to close. Anyway, okay, here's the set list. Separate Ways, Be Ooh. Good to Yourself, where did, you lo- where did I Lose Your Love, Neil Sean Guitar Solo, number one. Number Stone one. in Love. Oh, that's one. a good one. Stone in Love, Any Way You Want It, Wildest Dream, Lights, Jonathan Kane Keyboard Solo, with When You Love a Woman and Send Her My Love included. Oh, okay. Open Arms, Who's Crying Now, La Du Da, Steve Smith Drum Solo, oh. America the Beautiful. What? Wheel in the Sky, Faithfully, mm. Don't Stop Believing, Lovin', Touchin', Squeezin'. It's a weird song to go out on. Oh, but it's great because you go out and you're like, nah, 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 nah. That's true. Nah. So That's good. true. That's true. All right. Well, I, uh, I've got to get to that show somehow. All right, everyone. I know. I hope you have a great one. Until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Kristen. Rock on. Rock on, guys. Bye. I'll take you